just to wake you up. Okay, there we go. Praise God. Thank you so much. And it's such an honor. And I hope you realize how incredibly blessed you are to have the Toilers as your pastor. Okay, some people are still waking up. Do you realize how blessed you are? You know what? Even if you just spend 30 seconds in their presence, you leave feeling uplifted. You feel leaving encouraged. You feel leaving. God can do this. He can make a way when there feels like there is no other way. And there's such a spirit of faith on you guys. I so love it. We got to, when we moved up, we actually first stayed in their house uh, while they were on holiday. We were dog sitting, which was great fun. And uh, you know what? I said to my wife when we were in there, I said, I feel a spirit of faith on this location. And she said, my dear, she's got a Russian ethnicity. My dear, how you know this? I say, I can, li- I told her, I literally, I can feel the anointing come out my legs just in that house because it was a dwelling place of God. And these guys live in the presence of God. They walk in the presence of God. They're like Enoch and Noah and Job who walk before the Lord. So really, you are so, so blessed. Pull on everything that they have. Pull on that spirit of faith. And I, and I just, I love you in the spirit and I love you in the natural. Sometimes you love people in the spirit. I always love everyone in the natural. So I don't know where you thought that was going, but according to your own hearts. But I love you guys in the spirit and the natural. And Gloriana, it is her birthday today. And uh, her father said, um, you know, Gloriana, I'm so pleased with you. I'll give you whatever you ask, up to half my kingdom. And so Gloriana said, I really want Rob to preach. Now, I don't know how much truth is in that, but I'm going to believe it. Amen. That's what you would have said, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Give an amen. Give an amen. But I remember where I was. I was studying at university when I first got a text message from my good friend, Joel, announcing that Gloriana was in the world. And the devil shuddered, knowing that he had another warrior that was going to bat him down. So, Gloriana, you're such a wonderful young lady. You've got so much in you, such joy that you carry. Uh, ever since you were a young child, and we are just excited to see all that God has for you. And I love your t-shirt as well. God save the king. God save King Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm, I've got a word burning inside of me today, and I'm just so excited to release it. And I just sometimes I just feel fidgety. I'm like, come on, you know, when the race is about to start, you're like, come on, let's do this. Let's go for this. So I'm so excited for what God has for us today. And I really believe we're going to hit something powerful that can change your life. If you lock into not what I'm saying, but what to the Holy Spirit is taking my words and saying into your situation, I believe, I know, I'm confident that it will be a time that you will remember and will transform the direction of your life. I like sermon titles. And so if you want to take out your notes, if you're a note taker, which is always a good to be a note taker, the title of my sermon today is, we're going to be talking today about covenant consciousness. Covenant consciousness. And I'm actually going to invite you to step into a space not only today, but throughout the whole week of engaging in an activity that allows you to walk and live in a covenant consciousness. You see, I'm actually, uh, Joel said, you know, I'm, I'm, I am t- Dr. Sharp. I did my PhD up here in Manchester, and I actually did it in something called phenomenology. 
Now, it took me the first year just to work out how to say it. It took me my second year to learn how to spell it. And then I had to write my thesis. But it's phenomenology. And it's the study of the structure of consciousness. It's what I did my PhD in. You see, how you operate, how you react, how you walk and you talk and interact with everything around you is based upon the structures of your conscious awareness. The Bible actually says this, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? They shall see God. It means you don't see God with your eyes. You see God with your heart. Let me put it this way. You see things according to the structures of your consciousness. You see things dependent upon what your conscious awareness is structured by. You know, they even did a scientific study where they got people to all sit down and to watch a big TV like that. And they said, right, this is the task that you have. You have to count how many times each team passes the ball to each other. And so they're counting. Now, they didn't know this, but it was a setup. Who loves a setup? It was a setup. And they actually got someone in the middle to walk in, a man with a full gorilla outfit, walk into the middle like this, bounce here, and then walk off. Did you know 70% of the people watching didn't even see the gorilla? Because they were focusing on what they thought the task was. But, you know, we can invert that and say, when you are focused upon what the task is, when you're focused upon what heaven's mission is for your life, the devil may come and try and distract you, but your consciousness is saturated with the scriptures, saturated with what he did, saturated what he has called you to do, so that when the whisper comes in from the enemy that you're a failure, that you're a sucker, that you're never going to do anything, that you're, never, that you're a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God, your consciousness is saturated by the reality of God. And you just walk on by and you say, gorilla, beat your chest. I've got a mission from the king of kings. So we're going to talk about covenant consciousness. And one of the fundamental ways to develop your covenant consciousness is to engage regularly with communion. To engage regularly with communion. So we're going to take communion at the end of this service. But I would like to invite you to every day this week, start your day with communion. That's up to you. I'm not going to know, you know, only the angels and the Holy Spirit will know. But I want to invite you every day this week, and maybe for as long as the subject is communion, I want to invite you to take communion every morning. Now, when I was younger, has anyone served in the military here? Do we have any vets, any military people? God bless you. Thank you uh, for, for all that you've done for our country. And uh, I was a Marine cadet, a Royal Marine cadet. So basically, that's when you're, you're younger and you love shiny uh, uh, uniforms and you got this like, you know what it's like when you're a young man. And so I think I was about 14 and I joined the Royal Marine cadets and it's like you're a kid. And so we did it and it was good fun. It was a good forming process in my life. But one of the things that we got to do as a royal cadet was we went to the memorial service, Victory Day, the, the memorial service. And I remember being there, and I was focusing on my marching and staying in line. I've not got, naturally speaking, the best rhythm. Uh, and so I'm focusing on my staying in time and time. And the whole thing was there, and it's Exeter, and the mayor was there, and there was loads of people there. And I'm walking around, and I'm thinking, this is quite fun. You know, I'm a Marine cadet, and you know, all these other people are there with their medals and badges. 
And I was looking around, and to be honest, I got, got a bit bored. You know, minute silence when you're 14 feels like a long time. Amen. Unlike my preaching. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and, and I was there. And I looked around, and I saw some older guys. And they had tears in their eyes. I saw some people who had clearly fought in the Falklands. Some people who had lost friends and family in the Second World War. And when I looked around, I realized that because of my conscious awareness, because of how I saw myself, because of my journey, watch this, stay with me. I was experiencing Memorial Day in a different way than they were. And this is my question to you today. Do you experience communion like a cadet or like a veteran? Do you encounter God in communion like a spiritual veteran that understands the price that was paid? When I was there, I didn't understand what it meant to, to thank God for the people who had died and fallen for our freedom. I didn't understand it as a 14-year-old boy. But there were men and women there that knew the price that was paid for freedom. And they took that moment with, a, with the seriousness that it was due. And I was celebrating like a cadet, but they had a veteran mindset with an awareness of what happened, the price that it was paid, and and the implications of our victory. Do you celebrate communion like a cadet, casually, like, oh yeah, we do this once a month on a Sunday. Whoop, do that, you know, and you're just thinking about the tequila shots that you used to do, and it's, oh, it's a bit like that, isn't it? And you're just casual about it, and you're like, okay, come on, we've spent five minutes just in the presence of God, let's move on, Nando's is waiting for me. Or do you have a veteran's mindset that knows that you have been bought with the blood of the Lamb, not with, not with animals, with the King of Kings and the Lord of those himself bought you, claimed you, has a right over you. Do you know the price of your freedom that you live in? Do you know the price that it takes for that victory? And because you have an awareness of what it costs, you push into it, you press into it. Every communion, you say, God, I want to encounter Christ today in communion. How do you encounter communion? We're going to go to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And what I want to do with you is I want to show you five steps to encountering Christ in communion. That's my subtitle. Consciousness, covenant consciousness, five steps to encountering Christ in communion. And the reason why I'm doing this particular verse is I want you to highlight some aspects, highlight each step. And on the morning, you can do it however you want, but I'm helping you here with a structure showing you how I do communion in the mornings at, with these five steps of how to encounter Christ in communion. Does anyone want to encounter Christ? The living Christ? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, uh, we do a thing called the Nazarite Challenge or the Nazarite School of Prayer. It's, some, it's got some, some people here and then we did it. Fantastic. And we did that years ago with Prayer Storm with James Aladdin, who's an awesome man of God. And um, one of the things, the first time we did it, I just felt the Lord say, over these next, I think it was a 40-day period, take communion every morning. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I started to take communion. And you know the reality is sometimes I, I have a discipline of reading the scripture, but it doesn't always jump out to me. But 
Every time I postured my heart to encounter Christ in communion, every morning I felt the presence of God. I felt the reality of God. But watch this. If you only have 30 minutes a week, where, what, 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 what is the presence of God? You, the Bible tells us quite clearly in Psalms, right? God is everywhere. He is here whether you feel him or not. You, you know that. However, you can have a consciousness of his presence. But when you have a 30 minutes every week consciousness of his presence, hey, that's good. Praise God, you've got that. Then you're going to live out of that level of consciousness. But when you walk every day in a sense of his presence, what is the, when we say the presence is here or the Holy Spirit is here, what are we saying? We're saying that my conscious awareness, my thinking process is now saturated with the dimension of the holy, saturated with the reality of God. And I start, who knows, when the presence of God comes on you, you don't just start checking your watch and putting your hands in your pockets. You're like that. There's something different why your consciousness is saturated. And what happened is I started every single morning to take communion. I thought it was just going to be like a 10-minute thing. Like just 10 minutes, do communion, praise God. And I just found myself just staying there, waiting there, encountering Christ. And I'm not saying this just so you pay attention to my message, because I know you guys, you're awesome, you're leaned in, you're hungry. So I don't need to prep you for for listening to my message, amen, because you are hungry for the word. Amen. Amen. But I can honestly stand before God. And tell you, that process of taking communion every single day changed my life. Changed my ministry. Shifted my relationship with God. And if you follow these five steps and engage regularly with what we're doing here, and you'll have an encounter with Christ that will give you a communion, uh, sorry, a covenant consciousness that will change how you operate in this world. Are you ready to receive a covenant consciousness? Right, before we start the scripture, let's just stand up. Let's just stand to our feet. You know, one of my favorite verses is in John where he says, You have no need for a teacher. For the Holy Spirit himself teaches you all things. Can you just close your eyes and posture your heart? And you know what? I can say some things, but we're going to encounter God today. We are going to encounter God today. The mission that the Holy Spirit has for us will be accomplished in this place, whatever it is. But we are not relying on anybody's musical ability, anybody's organizational capacities, and we are not relying on my communication skills in order to get there. If our hope is in that, we will fail. But our hope is in the fact that God wants to speak to his people, that the Holy Spirit can take even the words from a donkey, the words of a man, and use them like arrows to hit what needs to be hit. Use it like oil to touch and heal what needs to be touched but according to your expectation can you just lift up your hand heart lift up your hands and say holy spirit speak to me today holy spirit speak to me today oh great teacher of heaven teach me today correct what needs to be corrected heal what needs to be healed Mold what needs to be remolded holy spirit you are welcome in this place can you say that with me Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And now can we just orientate our heart with an expectation for the Holy Spirit to move how he wants. Holy Spirit, we surrender today. 
We surrender this meeting to you. Can you just do that with me? Holy Spirit, we surrender this meeting to you. Now, can you just talk to the Holy Spirit yourself? And just start saying whatever you need to say, but out of your own words, just saying, say, Holy Spirit, I put myself upon your altar today. Mold me, shape me, speak to me. Put your words of life in me. Start speaking to him yourself. Come on, let's not wait for someone else to do it for us. Start welcoming the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, I repent of anything that is blocking me hearing your voice today. Holy Spirit, free, 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 free. Free anything in my life that is blocked. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on, can we put our expectations? Some of us have got casual about church because we think we know what's going to happen already. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I want to break out of your preconceived box. I want to break your expectations. But you have to expect me to move in a fresh way, in a new way. And I will do so. Say, come on, just say, Lord, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Let's break through into something right now. Let's break through into something right now. Holy Spirit, we need you. We are in a point of need for you. Don't, come on, don't listen to my prayers. I want every person, if you're able to, if you're a Christian, uh, and, and if, uh, then I want your voice engaged. I want your words engaged. Start speaking to him. He is listening to you right now. And start pouring out your heart and say, God, I want an encounter with the living God. I want a fresh Fresh, fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil. You know, the Bible, they said they weren't allowed to collect manna to store because the manna rotted. So God wants to give you a fresh word today. Don't settle off living what you learned from Bible school. Don't settle from living off what you learned from children's church. Don't even settle for what you learned yesterday in your devotions. Say, God, I want fresh oil today. I want a fresh word today. I want you to speak to me today. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We put a demand. Come on. The Holy Spirit is so here and ready and he's waiting for you to put a demand upon him put a demand upon the spirit of God right now by faith by faith by faith Shut holy spirit holy spirit holy spirit holy spirit when I was a student pastor I had a student and he said stay engaged stay engaged stay engaged and he said you know, everybody was going through a really tough time with a health issue and all sorts of stuff. And he said, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, God's grace is sufficient. Don't worry, Andy. God's grace is sufficient. But you know what? It's, I don't feel like it is. And I just smile, but I don't know even what that means. It just feels like words. And I felt so sorry for this young man because I realized we'd been passing on Christian cliches. Scriptures that aren't activated by faith and explained by the Spirit become cliches. I'm going to say that again because it feels a bit wow, but it's true. Even scriptures that aren't activated by faith and unpacked by the revelation of the Holy Spirit become cliches that you throw out and you think you know what you're talking about, but you've got no idea. And I felt so sorry because this young man had been fed on cliches, not revelation. And we told him that he was a millionaire without explaining how to access the finances. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your bank account if you've lost your visa card. It doesn't matter how much money I put in your bank account if you don't know your pin code. 
But today we're going to learn by the grace of the Holy Spirit how to access what you have. And you're not only going to be a millionaire in the Spirit, you're going to be able to show it and access what God has for you. Amen? Amen. Well, you can be seated, but please don't switch off. Can you just stay, especially some of you mature Christians, one of the problems, okay, okay. This is I did not intend to say, but you know, you can say things as a guest minister that maybe a pastor's like, I've got to come back and preach next week. Many of you are mature Christians, and I can see you in the crowd. Spiritually, I can see your maturity. But there is a point of maturity where you can get back like this and say, all right, what's this kid got for me? You may not even consciously think it, but you may be thinking, you know, I, I listened to T.J. Jakes last week. You know, listening, catching up with some Tim Keller and, you know, reading some C.S. Lewis. What have you got? <laughs> Impress me. Impress me. Impress me. Now, now, but that's your internal posture. You get to a point of maturity where you've, you think you've heard it all and that's your internal posture. But you know what? I see real spiritual giants get excited when someone starts to quote John 3.16. God so loved the world. And I see them. I've walked with some people who are real people of God. And they're just excited about such a basic revelation. But it's alive to them. But this is what I want to say. There are people in here that you are mature, but you have grown fat. Oh, Lord, forgive me. No, Lord, forgive me. You forgive me. You are mature, but you've grown fat. And you come to the place of eating when it should be you giving the feeding. You know what? God corrected me when I had that inner attitude. I'm a preacher, and so I'm also thinking on the kind of like homiletical dimensions of, you know, how the communication is going. And I'm thinking like that. And, and, and God's saying, you're sitting back observing when you should be leaning in, birthing. And I want to say that to a few people today, not just for, for this sermon, but whenever someone is preaching here, you're sitting back in the fatness of your soul when you should be leaning in, helping whoever is ministering birth what God has. So can some of you that are mature, God bless you, you've walked in these things, can you just lean in so that together we can birth what God has? Because there's some people in here that need breakthrough, that need an encounter with the living God, and we're going to get that. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming with me. You're amazing. I love preaching to your, your church, Joel. Woo! Holy Ghost. Verse 23, the five steps. Five steps to encountering Christ in communion. Paul says this, For I received, say received, from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. First step, underline the word received. And if, you, and if you want, just put a one by it. This is my Bible. I've got our underline received and one. And this is your first step. When you come to communion in the morning, in the evening, but when you come to communion, you need to focus your expectation on receiving. What do you expect to receive when you take communion? Do you expect... Juice and bread. Or do you expect an encounter with the living Christ? Paul says this, According to my earnest expectations, I shall be set free. God operates in the currency of heaven, which is faith-filled expectations. You often get what you expect. And if your expectation is on the level of juice and bread, 
all you will receive is juice and bread. But if you say, Lord, I don't quite understand what you mean when you say, this is my body. You may say, I don't quite understand how it can be bread and it can be body. But I encounter the mystery of your scripture. And I realize that just because I can't understand something doesn't mean it isn't true. Has anybody reached their level of intelligence to know, come on, you, has anyone done trigonometry or geometry and these kind of stuff? You're like, I don't get it, but I still believe it. <laughs> I don't know about you, has anyone explained something that they're a professional in? And you're like, ah, oh, mm, mm, ah, oh yeah, phenomenon. Mm, mm. You can say, I don't get it, but I believe it. But too often we have been absorbed with a scientific atheistic background which says, I will believe when I can see. But God says, when you believe, you will see. Come on, I'm going to say that again. We live in a world that says seeing is believing. We live in a world that says, when I can understand it, I'll believe it. And God says, when you believe it, you'll be able to understand it. And I can tell you, I don't quite understand the dynamics, the metaphysics of how the bread can be Jesus, his presence, and just bread. But I believe it. And one of the problems that we have is we think that it's a Catholic thing. But it's not. You need to understand, Martin Luther, who in case you're not too familiar with church history, he was not a Catholic. Okay, quite significantly not a Catholic. In fact, you're all not Catholics because of that, or maybe you are, but hey. Martin Luther said this, when we take communion, our teeth touch the very body of Christ. Even John Calvin, who was the other great Protestant reformer, he said... We must affirm that the real presence of Christ exists in the host of the communion. It's not a Catholic thing. The Protestant fathers believed in the real presence of Christ. In fact, there was a man called Zwingli who had a debate with Martin Luther and they met up and they had a bit of an argument. And Zwing, this, this guy didn't believe in the real presence of communion. He just said, you know, it's just bread. It's just, it's just metaphors. It's just symbols. Martin Luther refused to shake his hand. Martin Luther refused to shake his hand because he said, I'm not sure if you're even saved. But the reality is, the reason we think that is not because of our Protestant theology. The reason we think that is because we're saturated by naturalistic thinking. The reason we think it's just bread and wine, many of us think it's just bread and wine, is because we're used to believing what we see, not what the Word says. But if you expect an encounter with the presence of God, if you believe that when Jesus says, this is my body, that there's somehow an infusion of the spirit in there, it will come to pass and you will encounter the living God. You know what? Pastor Joel was talking about laying on of hands. These guys are so anointed, so filled with the Holy Spirit. I felt like they were preaching my message in their exhortations beforehand, but they were just setting you up. So thank God for pastors that set you up. Amen. But watch this. Joel's talking about laying on of hands. I don't understand how the anointing of me, my anointing, can pass through somebody else when I lay on my hands on them. Can you understand and can you explain that in naturalistic scientific terms? I can. But has anyone had hands laid on them and they've experienced it firsthand? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand up here? You've experienced it. You see, when I've experienced God, I'm no longer being dictated by your bad theology. Because I felt it. I can't explain it, but I felt it. Has anyone felt the presence of God in communion? Amen. Well, we can carry on pushing it. But then watch this. I can't explain to you 
how they said, hey, Paul, we've got some sick people. And um, I know your name's not Paul, Ian, don't worry. But we've got some sick people over here, and they can't come. And I know you can't come. What, what should we do? And Paul says, give me some aprons. Give me some cloths. I'll put my hand on there and I'll transfer the healing anointing of God. Then you take the cloth over to the sick person, you put it on them, and they will be healed. Can anybody explain scientifically and deductively how the anointing can, can, can ride around in aprons? I can't, but I believe it. I said, I believe it. I said, I believe it. And if this guy didn't believe it and said it's just an apron, it may not have activated it. Because faith activates the promises of God. And when you come to receive with an expectation that the communion is here, the presence of God is here, when we pray for it, I normally pray this, let Holy Holy Spirit change this spiritually into the body of Christ. Change this juice spiritually into the blood of Christ. And what I believe happens is that the Spirit in some way infuses himself into those elements. He infuses himself into it, just like when Paul laid hands on them, on those aprons, the spirit infused into that natural being. And when we pray for these elements, the spirit himself infuses himself into that. And then watch this, just like laying on of hands become a con- becomes a contact point, communion becomes a contact point for encountering God. Come on, are you encountering juice and bread or are you encountering the living Christ according to your earnest expectation? But the first step is to ramp up your expectation for receiving because you get according to what you receive. What do you receive when you take communion? You receive what you expect. But you know, as a human, you are designed as a receiver. That's your nature. You are a vessel. Paul puts it like this. He says that we are earthen vessels carrying the glory of God. He also says in 2 Timothy 2.20, he says if any vessel in a great house, there are vessels of honor and dishonor. If you cleanse yourself from these things, you will be a vessel for honor, useful to the master for any good works. You are a vessel. What is the entire purpose, the entire destiny of a vessel? Is to be empty. A vessel is made to empty itself so that the empty space allows it to be a carrier of something other than itself. And Paul says, I receive from the... I receive from the... You're lucky you got a second bite of the apple. Paul didn't say, I receive from a book. He didn't say, I receive from my studies. He didn't really say, my teacher, Gamaliel, he told me this thing. He received from the Lord. But watch this. If you only receive from natural things, you can only give natural things. But when you position yourself with an expectation that I will receive from the Lord, you will receive, you can give the Lord over. You, if you have going to work on a Monday morning an expectation that your confidence is based on the fact that you got a first class degree in business studies from some nice university like the University of Manchester and your confidence is based on that, not your confidence based on a covenant consciousness, then all you'll be able to give is a university degree education. And we praise God for that. I got one. That's brilliant. But I got to tell you, that is nothing compared to walking into that business room, walking into that meeting, walking up to your workplace, knowing 
that you have received not only from the Lord. Come on, I'm about to get dancing in here. Not only from the Lord, you have received the Lord. And he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. But you've got to receive. You've got to receive. You've got to receive. You've got to position yourself with faith and expectation. The communion is a contact point for a refueling. Some of us in here today... You got on fire for God when you were younger. You encountered the living God. And he took you out of drugs. He took you out of pornography. He took you out of the depression that you were going through. And he turned you around. He set you, took you free from the miry clay. And he set you upon a rock. And you were fueled with the Holy Ghost. And you were going around leading your friends to Christ. Leading your family to Christ. And you're going for it. And hallelujah, everything. And then three years later, you've run out of fuel. And suddenly your faith has become hard work. Whenever someone says, oh, it's difficult being a Christian. I say, it's difficult having a car if you don't fill it up with petrol. If you're, I can just imagine Pastor Joe. No, I'm not going to pick on Pastor Joe. Somebody, this would never happen to Pastor Joe, that's why. And they're, they're pushing their BMW around. They're like, oh, BMWs are so difficult. And you're coming up to a hill and you're like, oh, I'm sure those Mercedes Benz are easy. And you're pushing it. And just say, hey, brother, brother. BMWs are great when you fill them with fuel. Christianity without the living spirit is the hardest thing you will ever do. J.K. Chesterton said this. It is not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's that it has been found difficult and left untried. Because people have tried it without the living spirit of God. But when you have an encounter with the living God, and the many of us, the reason you're struggling, the reason you feel distant from God, I'm not condemning you, I'm helping and pulling you up. The reason that you feel those whispers of condemnation in the enemy and you don't have anything to speak back, the reason why you're considering in your depths of your heart giving up, the reason why some people you're here in body but you're not here in spirit because you've checked out of church, the reason is you've not refueled with an encounter of the living God. And the Bible says, be being filled. And today is the day of Pentecost. So if there was ever a day to get a good Holy Ghost refill, it is today. But you have to ramp up your expectations to receive. I receive from the Lord. And I can come before you today not saying, well, I studied this in a book and I have a PhD and, you know, this guy said that and this guy said that. I'm coming to you today. And I know that when I lay hands on people, when I speak, life comes out. Not because I'm sharp in my own nature but because I've received from the Lord and I can confidently stand before you without notes and without a plan only with the Holy Ghost with a confidence that says is anyone ready to receive because God is here you see a covenant consciousness gives you a covenant consciousness gives you confidence and some of us need to go through the dying process of self-confidence Some of us need to forget all this pop psychology about self-esteem and developing your self-consciousness. That's wise if you haven't got the Holy Spirit. It's worldly wisdom. Like if you don't have Christ and you don't have the Holy Spirit, yeah, focus on your self-esteem and self-confidence because all you've got is yourself. But when you realize that when you allow yourself to be nailed to the Christ and you can say like Paul, I have been crucified with Christ and it is now no longer me who lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. I don't need self-confidence. I got Christ's confidence and he's much better than I am. He's greater than I am. He's smarter than I am. He's funnier than I 
He's better looking than I am. He's cooler than I am. And I don't need to try and be any of those things. All I got to do is get out of the way and let him who is in me shine through. Because it's a covenant consciousness. I'm in covenant with the living God. In covenant with the living God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Okay, that was point one. I received from the Lord that which was also delivered. When you take communion, stop at that verse. Read this verse. So what you need to do, read through this verse. And, and point one, stop and just say, God, I receive from you today. I expect to receive from your presence. And you will feel something. But even if you don't, you need to believe that you have received. Then you can start your day giving out of God, not giving out of yourself. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was portrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. Some of us have been betrayed, let down. But thanksgiving turns your situation into a sacrifice. Thanksgiving turns your situation into a living sacrifice. Jesus, in this moment, was betrayed. Now, our mind often goes straight to Judas, right? Judas betrayed us, him. That's true. But he also said, all of you will leave me. Jesus was betrayed, let down by his church fellowship group. Let down by those that were meant to pastor him. Let down that were those that were meant to help him financially, like Judas. He was betrayed. And you know, betrayal, if you've experienced betrayal, it goes deep. There's a few things that go deep. Because your consciousness is now saturated with don't trust anyone. And God wants to heal the wounds that your parents inflicted on your life. When you begin to what? Start to give thanks. Giving thanks transforms brokenness into holy wholeness. Thanksgiving turns brokenness into holy wholeness. You see, there is even a way, and it's a bit of a theological mystery. But when Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Eli, Eli, Labam Shanakthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt forsaken by the Father, and yet he gave thanks. Does anyone feel, has anyone ever felt left, let down by God? Has anyone ever had, been disillusioned by church? Disillusioned by leadership? Disillusioned? by what you thought God was going to do. Well, first of all, if you have disillusions now, you need to realize that you have illusions that you need to be dissed of. Did you see that? If you have disillusions, it's because there are illusions that you need to be dissed of. God is so much greater and he works in a ways that you cannot fathom. That when you project your expectations upon what he will do, how he will do it, the way that he will do it, you will be disappointed in him. Watch this. Because God is not committed to fulfilling your expectations. God is not committed to manifesting your preconceived ideas about his nature. God is not committed to your idea of God, which can easily become an idol that we worship. God wants to smash the idol of your expectations 
expectations about him because Jesus died on a cross and the disciples were flabbergasted, didn't know what to do. Why? Their God had died. He was meant to deliver Israel. He was meant to set them free. He was meant to be, we were going to be at the right arm and me at the left arm. We were going to be warriors and we were going to have this holy Messiah like David to set Israel free from the Romans. And Jesus had to die, watch this, to the disciples' expectations of his nature and what he was going to do so that he could be resurrected into who he really was and say, this is who I am, accept me or leave me. But in the moment of betrayal, in the moment of heartbreak, in the moment of loneliness, in the moment of financial fighting, in that moment, if you give thanks in the situation that looks like it's going to pull you down, God will turn it into a sacrifice and he will give you the victory. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. Jesus gave thanks for the body that was him. That is his body. He's saying, God, thank you that I am the sacrifice for humanity. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that the nails on a plunge into these hands that are handing out the bread, these feet, while I washed other people's feet, I'm thanking God that you're going to plunge nails into my feet. God, I thank you for every whip and every stripe and every, bro- every, every nail that goes into my back. I thank you, Lord, for the honor of doing your will. I thank you, Lord, that even though everyone betrays me, Lord, that even though it feels in my soul like you have betrayed me, I thank you that let God be found true, So every man be found a liar. When you have that level of thanksgiving, no weapon formed against you will prosper. No situation will be able to hold you down. When you start to give thanks like Jesus gave thanks, but we've misunderstood thanksgiving. We think thanksgiving is what you do after you've received something. Come on. But he didn't give thanks after the cross. He didn't give thanks after the resurrection. That's too late. He gave thanks before it happened because thanksgiving is an act of faith that no matter what it looks like no matter what I feel like no matter if I feel happy or sad down or up I give thanks as an act of faith that reaffirms my consciousness covenant that God is faithful give thanks give thanks give thanks give thanks in your situation give thanks when you're fighting depression give thanks when you feel like you're only just making ends give thanks Giving of thanks increases your faith. Romans 4.20, it says, And Abraham did not consider his body, but what? Gave glory to God. Started thanking. This is, this is what happened. God, I thank you for a son. I thank you. Yeah, I don't care that I'm barren. I don't care that the, the doctors have said Sarah's barren. I know she's only in her 90s and I'm past that, Lord. But I thank you for a son. I thank you that you are faithful and I will have a son. I thank you that I will be a father to the nations. I thank you, Lord, that my children will be more. And he gave thanks and he gave thanks and he gave. And as he gave thanks, faith arose in him. And so this next step, you give thanks for encountering the living God. You give thanks for everything that you're about to receive in communion. Jesus gave thanks, and he is our example to give thanks in no matter what the situation is. So underline gave thanks and put a little two there, and that's your second step. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I need about three months to unpack just that scripture, but we haven't got anywhere near that time. So I'm just going to say this. How you remember the past determines how you encounter your future. 
How you remember the past determines how you encounter the future. You see, life only makes sense looking backwards, but we must live it looking forwards. And when you say, God, re-remember the reality of who I am in Christ. When you re-remember what Christ has done for you, it shifts how you orientate your future. You see, when you remember what he's done for you, when you remember the victory of the cross, when you remember that God is good, when you remember these things, it reorientates how you face your future. And so what I'll do at this point, I'll just meditate on the bread and the different symbols that it has. And it's so deep. I literally months we need to unpack this, but we haven't got that time. And I haven't written the book yet, so who knows? The bread represents many things. You know the Jewish bread, the Metzah bread, that they still use? The Jews don't really understand it. But have you seen it, the Metzah bread? It's got, it, they make it with stripes like this. And they, they pierce it. Has anyone seen that? You pierce it, Google it later. And it's got, it's got these holes in it. They have to make it a special way. And that is the special bread. They don't use that every day. They use that only for Passover. So the bread that Jesus was giving out was pierced. It was striped. And he knew, come on, you know the scriptures we're going to, brother. By his stripes, I am. And I am he was pierced for my transgressions. Proclaim your healing as you take the bread. Remember, not that you might be healed, not that you want to be healed, that 2,000 years ago, you were healed and you receive it with thanksgiving. The bread also represents the provision of God because it represents the manna is a forerunner for what's going on here. You know, can I just say, communion is like, you see my, my, you see my shoes here, my boots here? They've got a knot in it. Now, unlike Pastor Joel, I can't get my, my right foot to touch my left ear. But that's about as close as I've got to get. But there's a, there's a knot there. And it's tied up. And all the laces are tied up. Communion is the knot of theology that brings everything together. The atonement is in there. The incarnation is in there. The provision of God is in there. Come on. The, 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 the truth of the victory of Yahweh over sin is in there. Every significant theological concept is tied together in communion. And when you take it, you are receiving all of it at once. The, man, the manna represents the, the provision of God. You know, do you know what the showbread is? Remember in the Old Testament, the showbread? They had to put 12 pieces of showbread before the presence of God. If you actually study that word, showbread is an interesting word. But the most literal translation is the bread of the presence. The bread of the presence. I said the bread of the presence. So when I'm taking communion, come on, come with me. I'm taking the bread of the presence into God's new temple. I'm receiving the presence of God. When I'm taking it, just as the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word became flesh and the Word dwelt amongst us, I am also manifesting the Logos. You know, you are called to manifest the Logos of God. You are called once again. This is my prayer. Say, Lord, once again, let your Logos be flesh in my flesh. The bread represents the union of God. When I take that, I meditate on the union of God. You know, if you're older than seven years old, Every cell of this beautiful body here, from your beard to your toes, every cell came through your mouth. Did you know that? It's biology. Your cells, every cell has to renew. So the structure's there. So it means that after seven, eight years, every cell in your body has completely renewed. But where did it originally come from? Your mouth. You, you understand biologically, science here, you don't need any faith, or faith in science, I guess, to understand that you really, you really are what you eat. 
everything that physically about you after this episode has entered through your mouth. Every, every single cell has come from something that you put in your mouth. And there's a whole other message there <laughs> that we're not going to go down. And someone said, Amen. But here's, here's what I want to say. Just like your body is what you eat, your spirit man is also what you eat. And when you eat of the Holy Communion, believing that the presence of God is in there, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, stop the sun, because we've got so much to do. In the same way, he took this cup also after supper. I'm not going to hold you for long, don't worry. After supper, I noticed no one said, carry on, Rob, keep preaching. Well, that's fine. Uh, that was your opportunity. In the same way, he took, and again, after I said that, everyone just said, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Speed it up, sharp. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. The blood of Christ applied to the doorways of your mouth and your ears and your life will prevent any demonic attacks coming over you. And he said, do this. Why? In a remembrance of the blood of the new covenant. Come on. Is your spiritual walk based upon what you did or didn't do or based on the fact that you're in covenant with the living God? Is your confidence based upon yourself or is your confidence based upon the fact that Jesus made a covenant with the Father and you get to enter into it by faith? You see, oh Lord, we haven't got time, but <laughs> there's so much here. You see, you need to understand the story of the entire Bible. It starts with God give, making a covenant with Adam and telling him what to do and Adam broke that covenant. And then Abraham broke the next covenant and then Moses broke the next covenant and then the children of Israel made a lifestyle of breaking each covenant that they were given until God said, enough is enough. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And the reason why Jesus had to come in the flesh is not a cute party trick that God had up his sleeve. The reason he had to do it is that God needed to make covenant with man because you and me are rulers of this earth. We have dominion over this earth and God cannot break the principles that he's laid down. So he needs to make a covenant with a man that will not break it. And the Bible says, I looked, but I could not find someone to stand in the gap. And so God said, he rolled up his sleeves and he said, if no other man can do it, Jesus, you've got to go down and do it. And when you go down, I will make a covenant with this man, with Jesus. And because you are perfect, no man will break the covenant. This is, catch this, you can break your covenant with God. There's nothing you can do or say or mess up that can break your covenant with God because your covenant with God isn't between you and God. It's between Jesus and the Father. And you just get to enter in by faith, by faith, by faith. All you've got to do is say, God, me too, me too. I want in. I want to be part of that. It's unbreakable. That's why Paul writes to Timothy. And he says, if we deny him, he will deny us. And if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. You can deny him and exit the covenant. But if you don't deny him, even in your unfaithfulness, even in your failure, your stinking sin and your bad attitude, even though you are faithless, he remains faithful. What's the next verse? Because he cannot deny himself. Hallelujah. Come on, someone's going to grab the Holy Ghost here. He can't deny himself. Just because you messed up, it doesn't mean he's going to forsake Jesus. 
just because you sinned last night doesn't mean that he's going to give up on his son. Let God be found true. Though every man, I said every man, be found a failure. God will not fail. God cannot fail. You see, you see, we're in a covenant with God. You're in a covenant with God. You're not in a religion. You're not part of a cult. You're in a covenant with the living God. Do you know, problem is we don't have a reference point for this covenant. The closest we have is a marriage covenant. I say, I'm in covenant with two people in the whole universe, Jesus and my wife. But you know, all through history, you know what the price of breaking a covenant was. Do you know the price? Death. If God breaks his covenant, he will die. The Bible says that the whole universe is held together by the power of his word. If God dies, the whole universe will go and cease to exist. So if you want, hallelujah, if you want a quick way of checking if God has let you down or not, if you want a quick way of checking if God broke his covenant or not, then just have a look around. And if the universe exists, it means God is not dead. He is alive and he has not broken his covenant and he will not break his covenant. And the covenant isn't dependent upon whether you look pretty or you're ugly, whether you smell sweet or whether you smell bad. It doesn't matter. consciousness that you are in covenant with God your shoulders will come back your head will no longer be like this it will be up because you can go in and you can say you promise Lord you will never leave me nor you forsake me but you will be with me even to the ends of the earth we could go after that but the last step first step is to receive second step is to give thanks third step is to remember the body fourth step man I want to preach more on that but we're not going to The fourth step is to remember the blood covenant that you are in. And the fifth step is my favorite. Because so often, we take communion as a soaky, soaky moment. This is my problem. We took it as a Lord, just soak and remember and solemn and quiet. Communion should not be done that way. How does Paul finish this? Paul says, for as often... As you drink this bread and drink this, eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Communion is a proclamation. You see, proclamations aren't only done with words. When Elisha got the king to be, he said, take these arrows and hit them on the floor. And he took it and he took it casually. And, uh, and Elijah said, oh, he wept. He said, only, if only you had proclaimed six or seven times, you would have had utter victory. The, the way he did it was casual, half-hearted. And he said, you're going to get a partial victory. If only you'd taken that and just gone, smash, 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 smash. In Jesus' name, devil is defeated. Yeah. With a confidence, with a knowledge that you are prophesying and proclaiming, not... Get away from me, devil. Please don't mess with my mind anymore. If you don't mind, just moving on to the next person. But you proclaim. I've never heard someone proclaim with a whisper. I say the, 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 the musical instrument, that manifest proclamation is a trumpet. Did anyone watch the coronation coronation, and just love that moment when the trumpet sounded out and said, There is a new king. 
There is a new king. That's what happens when you take communion. It becomes a trumpet in your spiritual man. And I'm not going to try and make the sound of a trumpet because it won't come anywhere close to what it should be. But it's just a woo released in the spirit. And all heaven and hell stand to attention knowing that someone is proclaiming the victory of the cross. Someone is proclaiming that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Someone is proclaiming depression you are defeated. Someone is putting the word of God on their mouth because God is looking for a people who will put the word on their mouth and with faith proclaim and shout and declare that I am victorious. That no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That sickness is dead. Sickness is broken. Poverty is broken. Shame has no right to speak into my ear. Guilt has no control over my mind. The devil has no right over my finances. Start speaking it. Start proclaiming it. You see, this is, oh Lord. Stop time, stop time, stop time, Lord. You see, what happens? If someone lived in your house that you were renting out, have you got any home renters here? You rent out a house to anybody? Well, praise God, I just pray that that will increase. That you will rent out homes, you will not rent homes. And if someone isn't paying their rent or you get an illegal squatter and you come and you say, get out. And they say, you and whose army? You know what you do? You go and you get an injunction. But if a court, the first court says, hey, hey, who, who, who owned a house? Put, put your hand up that you rent a house out. Help bless you. Faith, isn't it? And you, go, and you go and you say, hey, these guys, they're living in my house and they don't have a right. And the judge is like, ah, well, you know, it's life. Sorry, live with it. You've got a choice. You can either say, well, what are you going to do? That's the way it is. It's who I am. My parents were like that. I'm like that. It's just depression. It's just, it's just you know, that's, who I, that's, that's, that's my lot in life. And I just have to walk through life with my shoulders down. Just say, well, thank you, Lord, for my humility. It's not humility. Humility is accepting what God called you to be. Humility is letting who God said you are come out of your mouth. That's real humility. Pride is, oh, I'm a nobody or nothing. No, 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 that's pride. That's pride. It's pride. You need to speak who God called you to be. All this young lady, Faith, she can go, okay, thank you, judge. I'm glad that there's a high court. And she can go to the high court. Come on. And she can get a high court injunction. And she can take that high court injunction. And she can get some enforcement officers to go around that place and say, Buddy, your time is up. You're out of here. And to throw those guys out. But watch this. Too many of us have got to the court of our emotions. And it hasn't ruled the way we expected it. Too many of us have gone to the court of our situation and our situation didn't work out like we thought it was going to be. We've gone to the court of other people's opinions and other people have sided with the situation and the plan of the enemy over your life. Maybe they've even done it trying to encourage you. God bless their darling hearts and stupid heads, as Brother Hagen would say. I love that I can quote Brother Hagen here. But watch this. Have you settled? Have you settled? Have you settled with what the court of your emotions has said? Have you settled for what the court of your situation has done? Have you settled for what the culture around us says you should accept? Or have you taken your case to the high court? 
I don't know about you, but I can feel the Holy Ghost right now. I said, have you taken your appeal to the high court? And you can say, God, it says by his stripes I am healed. God, it says right here that you will provide everything I need. God, it says here, Lord, the depression is defeated. God, I've got a contract. I've got a contract. I've got a covenant with you. And go to the high court and then hire some enforcement officers. Put them in your mouth and say, Go in the name of Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Those whispering lies of shame, I call you from where you are. You are called from the pit of hell and you go back there. You have no right in my thinking. You have no right in my ear. You have no right. I've got an eviction notice. You see, a gun has no power in it whatsoever. If I had a gun here and I pointed it at my friend and started doing this, nothing would happen. A gun has no power. But watch this. What? is the secret of a gun. The gun's secret is that it can unleash the power of a bullet. That's all a gun does. And your problem is you're looking at the gun of your tongue. You're looking at the gun of your life. And you're saying, there's no power in there. I tried it. I tried it. Well, my advice to you, young lady, my advice to you, young man, is put some bullets of the Holy Scripture on your mouth. Unsheath the tongue of your mouth and start proclaiming the victory of Christ. Proclaiming that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And bang, 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 bang. Power's going to happen. Dunamis power will be released out of your mouth and the devil will flee because he realized that you've worked out that even though you're just a gun with no power in your own personality, your own gifting, your own intelligence, your own strength, your own wit, you don't need power. All you need is a trigger to unleash the power of the bullet. And then you go to your armory. Amen. Read your armory because there's some bazookas in here. I said there's some bazookas in here. There's some artillery guns in here. There's tanks in here. There's anti-aircraft missiles in here. And the enemy's been causing havoc. But you say, I'm going to my armory. I'm aiming up. I'm loading up my mouth. And I'm going to start speaking over my situation. And proclaiming every time. Every time. We finish with communion. Like we're about to right now as the band come up. Every time we, f- we do communion. Don't soak. Just don't stay in soaking. Finish in proclamation. Communion. So the the usher, you can start handing out. Why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up? And worship team can come up. And we're going to take communion. But watch this. Catch this. Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay leaning in with me here. Because the Holy Spirit is going to do something with us tonight. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We finish communion with a note of victory. I said we finish communion with a note of proclaiming what? The victory of the cross. We proclaim Maranatha. Come Lord, come. What happened on the cross? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. But, 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 I love a but. He made you alive together with you having forgiven us all of our transgressions. Watch this. Verse 14. Having cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of the decrees against us that was hostile to us. It's cancelled. Come on. It's cancelled. Don't remember what God has forgotten. Don't remember what God has forgotten. Even not just your past sins, I'm talking about your situation. 
God's forgotten it because he lives in eternity and he's given you the victory and he sees how you're going to overcome it. Forget even the situation that you're in. Don't remember what God has forgotten, but remember what God has done. Watch this. He took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. What are we doing? We're proclaiming what happened at the cross. We're proclaiming, speaking it. So when the enemy comes, like a lying git that he is, and whispers that you're not good enough, whispers that you're a second-class citizen, whispers that you're just going to struggle with depression all your life, whispers that it's just your lot to live in poverty and sickness, whispers that you don't have a voice that's significant, whispers that you're not loved by God as much as other people, whispers that your situation is how it's going to be. You don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words, and you put the word as your words, unleash it out of the gun of your mouth, and start proclaiming what do you proclaim? One of the devil's most hated scriptures. Verse 4, 15. For he disarmed on the cross, disarmed the rulers and authorities. He defeated the authorities and he made a spirit public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. What happened on the cross? Natural man saw defeat. God saw victory. Natural man saw Jesus defeated. God saw that in that moment and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the devil was defeated. That means his feet were chopped off. Defeated. He was disarmed. That means his arms were chopped off. All he has to attack you is a tongue. All he has is a whisper. And if you shout back in a proclamation whatever the enemy whispers then nothing will defeat you oh no man will stand before you all the days of your life why he kept he took captivity captive what does that mean you who are captive in sin he captivated you into righteousness So now you have freedom over sin. Even if you feel like you have an addiction that is dominating you, I want you to start proclaiming in this moment that I am dead to sin and alive unto Christ, Romans 6. I want you to start proclaiming that sin has no right over me. Sin has no victory over me. I want you to start proclaiming death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Because I am triumphant. Every foot, every place that the sole of my foot treads, I shall own. Are you ready to take communion? Are you ready to encounter Christ? Are you ready to allow heaven to invade your mind with a covenant consciousness of who he is? Are you ready? Verse 23. And we're going to finish this with a shout of praise. We're going to finish this with a shout of hallelujah. We're going to finish this just like the seven days they walked around Jericho and then they released a shout the walls fell down the demons trembled we're going to release a hallelujah of the victory of God not out of the flesh but out of the out of the spirit and you are going to receive breakthrough in every area of your life are you ready for I received from the Lord which I also delivered which I also delivered to you Right now, Lord, step one, we receive, we receive, we receive you, we receive a fresh infilling on this Pentecostal Sunday. 
Lord, we have an expectation right now that as we engage in communion, we receive the reality of your presence. We receive a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit, of your dunamis power. We receive, I expect to receive, that in the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took, his, took the bread and he gave thanks. Lord, I give you thanks for my situation right now. I give you thanks for an opportunity to walk by faith. I give you a thanks for this fight that I'm in because it is an opportunity to enforce the victory of Christ upon this earth. Oh, because private battles are preparation for public victories. What you're going through right now is a training process. Like the psalmist said, you train my hands for battle and my fingers for war. What you're going through right now is a barracks situation where God is training and preparing you to fight not only your public battles, but to fight for the kingdom. David had to fight the bear. He had to fight the lion. And he could have thought, well, that was good. God gave me victory. But his personal battles, come on. His personal battles, someone's got a hallelujah in them. His personal battles were merely preparation for a public victory where he would fight the giant that was defying the nation of God. What you're going through right now is just the preparation that God is letting go in your life because he wants you to rise up as a warrior and defeat the giants that are oppressing other people's lives. Thank you, Lord, for this battle. Thank you for this opportunity to be faithful. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me the strength to endure. Thank you, Lord, that you have given me this chance to show that I am faithful to your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are preparing a testimony for me when I'm in the middle of a trial. Thank you, Lord, for the bread. And he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of you. And just as you close your eyes, picture Christ on the cross, broken that you may be whole, pierced for your iniquities, his stripes that you may be healed. Picture it in your spiritual eyes. That's what he did for you. That's what he gave you. Come on, every eye's closed. Have in your mind right now a picture of Christ on the cross. He gave everything for you. How can you hold anything back from him? He gave everything. Heaven gave everything it had for you because it loved you. Because you are the pearl of great price. That Jesus sold every heavenly thing he had in order to buy you. And you are bought with the blood. How can you hold anything back after a revelation that he held nothing back for you? Broken for us. Break the bread. Lord, we thank you that you are broken, that we may be whole. Thank you that as we take this body, that we become one with you. Holy Spirit, we pray you bless this bread. Let your spirit come upon it. Let your anointing come upon it. Let your grace come upon it right now. Holy Spirit, change and transform it spiritually into the body of Christ. So that when we receive it, we don't just receive bread, but we receive you. And we receive a new level of union with the Lord God the body of Christ broken for you receive now the body of Christ broken for you Holy Spirit
now start to open up. These very well put together pieces. I love that. And you know what? I do actually do this. It's, it's, as you pull that away, remember the stone that was rolled away from the grave of Christ. That he was the seed that went into the ground. But you know, one of the things I love seeing, and my wife loves seeing it too, one of my favorite things I love seeing is, you know, when trees start breaking up tarmac, start breaking up pavement. Now, if it's your garden, you might not love it. But when you're walking in someone else's garden and you see that little plant, it was a tiny seed and it's breaking through concrete. Come on, every time me and Makacha see that, we just remember the cross. We remember the grave that they put, they killed life. They put life in the grave, but no concrete can hold back the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. And I've got a news flash for you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you and quickens your mortal body. Hallelujah. And he took the cup and he said this is my blood do this this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me let your mind right now be infused with the revelation that you are in covenant with the living God thank you Lord for your covenant thank you Lord for the covenant of God thank you Lord for the blood this is the blood of which the basis of our covenant is on and it will not be broken holy spirit bless this juice change and transform it spiritually into the blood of christ so that as we put the blood on our lips and on our mouths that the blood acts as a gateway to prevent any enemy entering in any of our gateways just as you put the blood on the door to stop the spirit of death so we receive the blood on our ears on our eyes on our mouth on our mind we receive the blood of protection holy protection the blood of the covenant and the blood proclaimed passover Passover, Passover. The blood became Passover poverty. The blood became Passover sickness. The blood became Passover depression. Passover shame. Passover loneliness. Passover the desire to please people. Passover guilt. Passover insecurity. Passover inadequacy. Passover. The blood of Christ. The blood of the new covenant. Receive now the blood of Christ. The blood of the new covenant. Thank you, Lord. And as we come to the last verse, we're going to have a shout of victory arise from this place of believers who know that they are set free. There is going to be a roar of the redeemed. I say, I said, there's going to be a roar of the redeemed. Let the redeemed say so.
that was good. That was great. There was faith in that. There was confidence in that. But let me tell you, if there was a news flash today that the Ukrainian-Russian war was over, that there was peace and all enemy occupants had to leave the land, the Ukrainians and the Russians would not be doing a fine little hallelujah. Isn't that good? I said, when they realize that the battle is over, when they realize that the war is over, watch this, watch this, watch this, stay with me. I'm going to release you in a second and it's going to go crazy. When you enter into a victory shout, it is not your flesh doing it. Watch this. When you enter into a real shout of victory, what is happening? Stay with me. What is happening is that your spirit is awakening. Your spirit, watch this, is aligning to the victory of Christ that happened 2,000 years ago. And you start to enter into the party of heaven, the victory parade of heaven that started 2,000 years ago. So we're going to release a victory shout that stands and walks in the victory of God. I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to proclaim the victory of Christ. Lord, Holy Spirit, come in this place, and as we release our trumpet, as we release our sound, as we release your word, we proclaim the devils are going to flee, the demons will tremble, the walls will break down when we release this victory. Are you ready to release your victory over your Jericho? 